Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast. On this week's Sportlight Podcast, Dustin and I are going to review a few of the statements made from people in the past that Dustin hasn't weighed in on to get his thoughts on that and to flesh those out a little bit more. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast for parents, coaches, and athletes. The Sportlight refers to the time in an athlete's life when they have increased ability to affect the culture around them and the increased opportunity to learn life's lessons through sports. This podcast aims to help parents and coaches capitalize on their athletes' precious time in the Sportlight. The Sportlight Podcast is brought to you by Especially for Athletes program. Hey, Dustin. How are you, man? Hey, Shad. Good to hear. Good to see you, man. You too. You too. So we've had some super interesting podcasts over the last couple of months and a few yeah. times when I was doing those interviews and you were off meeting with people and meeting with schools and doing those things. Uh, I had the thought that, man, I would love to get Dustin's thoughts on this. And so I just thought today we would go through and take a few highlights. I would love to get your thoughts on a few of the comments that were made. Yeah, perfect. So, Thank you. That. There there have been some great ones that you, you've done that I've just listened to because I wasn't on them, obviously. And and there would have been times, maybe it was a good thing I wasn't on them because I would have interjected and, and hogged the microphone. So, But yeah, I do. I actually have... As list, listening to them over the past several weeks, the ones I wasn't on, there were several times I thought, oh, I, I'd like to ask this question or go here. So, yeah, this will be fun. Awesome. Well, well, then we'll call this the Dustin Smith hog the microphone episode. <laughs> okay. We're going to, everybody that <laughs> listens, because I would off. love your thoughts. Off, everybody. I would love your thoughts on this. So, one of them that we did was with Diljeet Taylor and Julie Sumption. Diljeet is the head cross country women's coach at Brigham Young University, a top 10 country in the school. And man, she was awesome. I, I think you listened to that one, of course. And yeah. and Julie's always awesome. She's been with us many yeah. times at, at events. And But one thing that Diljeet said that I would love your thoughts on was about this going to the dark place. And she said, everyone wants to have the outcome, but there has to be a willingness to go to the dark place to have the desired outcome. And oftentimes, our mind quits well before our body does. The mind starts telling the body that it can't, that it hurts, that it's painful. Every single athlete is going to have a meeting with the dark place. Are you willing to go through it? Or are you going to back off and stay in your comfort zone? Because we all know that real growth does not happen in comfort zones. Yeah. That was like, man, that could be a poster in a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in a gym somewhere. Yeah. But tell me your thoughts on that, this dark place, going through the dark place and growth outside of comfort zones. Yeah. Well, I think that dark place can be different for for everybody. I think some in the in the sports world, some athletes – maybe don't experience the dark place because they they don't maximize their ability it they 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 live in easy street until it starts to get hard and then they once it gets difficult they hop off right and and especially if their goals weren't set high enough um you know we've talked about maximizing your ability should be the goal it it may not ever make you the very best but did you become your very best is the goal, right? And and what I am disappointed in is when I see athletes who had that other level to get to, but once they got to the edge of the, the light and they had to enter into the dark place, it was, ah, I'm good. 
right? I, I, I finished high school. I was a good player. I played, I was, and, and that's fine. If you didn't want to go on past that, like, okay. But if you want to maximize your ability, it's this way in life, right? If you want to maximize any skill or, or, uh, you know, that you've been given, um, whether it's in business or whether it's whatever you get to a certain point where the next step is into this dark place of, of, the unknown, right? You, it's hard. It's difficult. Everything's the first time and you don't, it's not easy anymore and you're going to fail and people might, everybody's good now. And, and the coaching's harder and the pressure is more, and there's more lights and cameras and newspapers and whatever there and they're all, whatever it is, right? Pick your things that are in the dark area. And in order to go there as an athlete, you really do have to have a level of humility. I think to say, okay, I'm now going into a place where I'm not ready, but I am going to be resilient enough to get through this and then lean on people that can help you. And I think a lot of athletes don't do that because they feel like, no, I've got this. And they go in there and at the first sign of real adversity, don't seek the help. Don't talk about it. They just quit. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's sad, you know, now other athletes never let themselves go there because they don't want to ever be embarrassed. So when, once it comes time to where they might fail, they pull the plug on it because now nah, I'm good with where I'm at. And that's disappointing to me. That's right. That's a lack of, of courage to, to, you know, really get in the weeds and see what you're really made of and capable of. And so, yeah, I think that at some point, the elite athletes, like the best of the best, which is probably who she was talking about. And in the world of cross country, when you're talking about pushing your body well past any sort of comfortable feeling when you're running, like they have to run. Yeah. You reach a spot where your body says, I can't do this anymore. And there's this battle between the mind and the body on, well, wait a minute, you've been trained. Yes, you can be resilient. One more step. You can do it. And the body saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, or the mind saying, I can't. And the recognition of, hey, I'm at that spot. I got to push through this. There'll be light at the other side. That's the uh, that's the trick. And so I guess the real test as coaches and parents is how do we get our athletes or our sons and daughters to understand that that's no different outside in the real world when you become a parent or you know you have a business or whatever that you're going to reach that point where it's like I can't do this anymore parenting's too tough or my job is too hard or whatever and realize that yes you can but you do have to dig your heels in now and really and and that's the point we make when we present all the time when we talk about resiliency um the phrase that we all think we're resilient until we have to be resilient we don't know like we really don't all of us on this or listening could say, I'm, I'm a resilient person. Okay. That's really easy for me, Dustin, to say, I think I'm resilient, but I won't really know the answer to that question until I'm in that dark space and I have to be resilient. Then I may find out if I'm honest with myself, wow, I'm really not very resilient. I gave up pretty quick on that. And, and, and we, I fooled myself and thinking that I was. So, you know, that's why as parents, we can't take away the opportunities. You said it really well in, in a, in an article that you wrote about over sheltering, you know, our kids, um, that when we take away the opportunities for our kids to learn resiliency, 
to build that Teflon coating that they need. We don't let them build it. We are the ones that are setting them up for when they go into the darkness to find out they're not prepared and they want to jump ship and, you know, and run because now life's hitting them and they don't have the Teflon on them because we didn't let them go through it (laughs) when they were younger. Yeah. It's easy to quit. I'm not going to play soccer anymore. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to finish this season. You can't do that in life. You know, you can't just say, okay, I'm not going to work here anymore without another job lined up. You can't just say, I don't want to be a parent anymore. I don't want to be, I know know a coach. I know of a parent of a young athlete. The coach called and asked me, how do I handle this? Said, it's a, this is little league football. They're in their playoffs. They've got a big game coming up. I think it's their championship game. And this, this mom and dad said to the coach, we're going to be out of town. This kid starts, okay? But he plays a position that doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. It's not the touchdown scoring position. Mm-hmm. And she, the, the comment was something to the effect of, it's not, it's not one of the winning positions. So we're going to miss the game. Well, what what that meant was it's not one of the prestigious positions. It's not the position that comes with a lot of discussion after the game and video and pictures because he's not in the end zone with the ball in his hands. So, but that's the so because of that, it's well then you don't have to go to the game. You're not really one of the main scores anyway. Well, instead of understanding what that does to that team now losing a kid who, who every position is a winning position, especially in football. Um, but that's the attitude of, well, if you're not going to get a bunch of the attention, then we're going to go do something else on Saturday instead of go and drive up to wherever to play in an early morning, cold, windy, you know, football game. And that's not, that's, that's the stuff that that's not letting him go into the, you know, learn how to fight himself out of that a little bit. If he doesn't love where he's playing, maybe he wants to play another position. Okay, well, but don't just pull the plug on the whole thing. Right. What and does what that, that teach him moving forward? You know, yeah. like, well, if you're, you know, you yeah. don't have to do anything unless you're one of the main characters. Yeah. You know, and that, recognize yeah. characters. Yeah. 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 Well, and I, you know, I started to think it. I've listened to that podcast a few times, shared it with a few people. I listen, I love listening to portions of it when yeah. parents come up to me and talk to me about the podcast or about what their kids are doing. And uh, I've thought about this, Dustin, um, maybe an additional question into this dark place. The dark place, you know, it, it could be failure. It could be pain. Uh, another one that Justin Sua introduced to us, you know, over a year ago was he said, in order to be great at anything, you need to embrace the boredom of consistency. Yeah. So it could be boredom. You know, it's yeah. like you need to push through the pain. You need to push through the failure. You need to push through the boredom if you really want to be good at something. And as I listen to Diljeet talk, I mean, we imagine these these cross-country runners, if you're going to be a top 10 program in the country, <laughs> the only way to do that, to become an endurance runner, is to put your body in pain yeah. every day and to learn to deal with that pain and embrace that pain better than your opponent, yeah. right? And and I think that as I think about these other things that people have taught us, that it's the same thing with boredom. 
I talked to a kid just this morning who I was talking to him said, hey, how's baseball going? I got in my 200 T-swings this morning. You know, like yeah. there's a kid that's waking up at at 5.30 a.m. and hitting a ball off of his tee 200 times before he goes to school. Yeah. Like he's embracing the boredom of consistency and that that's, could be that darkness too. It's not always the pain or this dark failure moment. Sometimes it's just you need to embrace being willing to do what others are not willing to do. They're going to stop when it gets boring or monotonous. And if you can learn to push through that or to push through the pain when they stop doing reps, if you do three or four more, if you have that attitude of embracing the darkness, embracing the pain, like Diljeet talked about, realizing that as soon as you enter that realm, the longer you're willing to stay there, the, the more people are going to be falling off who aren't willing to stay there and they aren't going to be able to compete with you. And so just that idea of like not fearing the pain, but embracing the pain yeah. and know that beyond that pain threshold is where lies your opportunity to be great. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Awesome. And that darkness could be even legitimate darkness too, mental health, right. Or other, other things too, that, you know, you, in that case, you don't have to live in it, but you have to recognize that it's there and that in order to get out of it, you've got, you have to do things, right? You can't just hide. You, you need to go talk to somebody. You need to be open. And, and we as parents need to rec- know that as much as we might believe, nah, this isn't going to happen to my kid. Um, it's happening to most kids at some point. And we've, we've, we've progressed as a society, I think enough now to recognize that everybody can be, uh, you know, the, the victim of that. And there is ways to get help, but we've got to make sure that our kids know when they get in that literal darkness of depression or something that they know who to talk to, how to talk, like what the signs are of it and what they need to do to get out of it, because that can be a darkness that wrecks everything for them. Um, if we don't recognize it and do something about it, that's, I mean, a different darkness. That's not the one she was talking about, but, um, that's something else. Yeah. Yeah. But that's when we need to talk about more and more and help kids realize they don't need to suffer. I, I talked to a mom this week whose child was thinking about taking their own life and called 988. Oh, sweet. Um, and they were able to help her and and get her the help that she needs and um you know that that's one of those things just yeah you know one way to push through is it's not going to take away the dark feeling but that's some of the you know just making that simple choice to call 988 to tell a parent to to do whatever we can't talk about that stuff enough because so many deal with it well can i move on to another one yeah yeah so we had jordan stevenson on you know jordan stevenson american hero uh got over in Afghanistan, got shot in the head with a special forces unit, was told by his doctor that he wouldn't have many of his mental faculties, that he wouldn't be able to walk ever again. And, uh, you know, he was a college athlete. He talked about how he had learned resilience on that podcast through being an athlete, learning to do just what we're talking about, pushing through the pain. And and, uh, he actually... (laughs) You know, th- this is the part that amazes me about that story is he kept breaking his ankle. 
because he couldn't feel the lower half of his leg. And uh, he saw a bunch of his buddies who were double amputees that were walking just fine. And so he told that doctor or a doctor like, look, amputate my leg, like amputate from the knee down. I want to be able to walk. I want to be able to move. I want to be able to have a more normal life. And so they amputated his leg and he was able to start walking again. And then he started biking. And one of the things that he said in the podcast that I'd love your thoughts on, Dustin, is, well, the whole thing is great. I'd love your thoughts on all of it. But one of the things he's he's making a goal to do is he's taking some sand from the West Coast and he's leaving the medical hospital where he was told he would never walk again on a bike. And he's riding it all the way across the country to the East Coast to give that jar of sand to the doctor who told him he would never walk again to keep on his desk in his office to remind him of the importance of not taking away hope from yeah. individuals. And he talked about the importance of hope and how hope is related to pushing through that darkness that we were yeah. just talking about. Yeah. I would love to know your thoughts on that and yeah. what we learn about resilience from Jordan Stevenson. Well, I think hope is at the <clears throat> foundation of, of resilience. If, if, if you don't hope that being resilient would lead to a better outcome <clears throat> or to some sort of comfort at the end of the pain or the darkness or whatever, a light at the end of the darkness, then, then it's real easy to just give up. Right. I mean, that's like the definition of just helplessness. Why am I doing this? There, there literally is no reason to it. And you succumb to the darkness, right. And quit. <clears throat> so the, the, I guess expectations, you know, I would say as parents and coaches, then that we need to set expectations that are, that are, that are, you know, tough to reach, but that are also reachable, right? Like we need to be somewhat realistic um, if we're doing this with our, with our, our kids. But in the case of, you know, in, in this story, yeah, when you, when you've had what he's had and, and your ankle is doing what it, you know, it's breaking every time you walk on it and you're just miserable, like that would just be awful. I would hope that a doctor would say, here are some options, right? Like, even if option B is really bad, like you're probably not going to want me to cut your leg off, but here, here's what could happen. You could still do A, B, and C and look at these people who have, and you can say, at least that gives me a, you know, an idea of another life that, you know what, maybe I, maybe I, I can do that. I can handle that. That's better than this. But just to, when we just give people the option, it's, it's just black and white. It's either you're the greatest ever your legs are healthy. You use them like there's like, you know, like Carl Lewis would use his or, you know, like Michael Jordan used his and you, or it's nothing. You're in a wheelchair the rest of your life. There's no in between. Yeah. That would be incredibly tough. You would hope that a person would say, but here's this other option. If, you know, if you want, so for as athlete, you know, in, in the, in the sporting world, you may have a, an athlete who isn't going to be the starter. But finding something, and we've talked about this on past podcasts, finding something that that athlete is good at, something they can contribute in some way to, and then build them up to feel like that position and that role is important, which it is, and it's needed, and give them some sense, some hope that I can still be part of this team. Um, it may not be 
you know, the, the position I wanted to, or a successful, the quarterback or whatever, like I wanted to be, but I could be this other, do this other thing and still be part of the team. At least then they're, when they wake up in the morning to go to an early morning lifts, hopefully there's some hope in that if I go and get up this morning and go and lift, I might be able to contribute in some other area. Right. So as parents, I feel like we should be careful to not have this all or nothing attitude with our children that if you don't start, if you don't become all state, if you don't get a scholarship, then this was a, this whole thing was a, was a failure then, right. Give them the hope to know that, Hey, if you keep fighting, if you keep fighting, you never know what's going to happen. You just got to keep fighting and keep fighting. And, and you'll get to the point where you feel like you've maximized your ability. And then when you've reached that point, I tell athletes all the time, this, a lot of them, when they come home from, you know, they, they come home from a mission or they're, they graduate high school and they're thinking about going to college, but they don't have a scholarship. Should I play coach? I still want to play. I tell them all the time, if your tank still has fuel in it, empty it. It might mean you play for a podunks division three school in the middle of Nebraska. But if you still have something in the tank, empty it. You have the rest of your life to be an adult and to make adult decisions and to be a parent, whatever, like, but what you don't want to be is 30 or 40 or whatever. And looking back on your life and saying, I wonder what if, and if somebody takes that hope away from you that, Hey, you're done playing high school sports. You didn't get a scholarship. It's over. What doesn't necessarily have to be over. There's a lot of people who there's people playing professional sports right now who didn't get, you know, big time scholarships out of high school. They walked on, they worked their way up. Um, and it came from a super small school somewhere, but they wanted it bad enough and they made it. But even if you don't make it to that highest point, can you look yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? My tank's empty. I've maximized my ability. This is how far it's gotten me. I'm ready now to turn the page and to move. That's a healthy transition from one thing to another. The unhealthy transition is this particular situation where he was thinking, wait a minute. I know people who have amputated legs who still do a lot of things. They bike, they run, they compete. Like they do all that. You're telling me I can't do anything. Like I'm done. Like that's not the right way to right to approach it. And so for him to say, no, there is another option. I'm going to make the decision to amputate my leg. Like that's a heck of a decision. Imagine being in that situation, right? Where you're the voluntary, I volunteer. I'm the one saying cut my leg off. Um, doctors not. Um, but obviously he's a guy who's lives his life optimistically and yeah. is a heck of resilient, you know, but he, cause I think a lot of people might've just said, well, if the doctor said that it must be true. So now I'm just going to sit in a wheelchair and be, you know, upset and, and sad my whole life and kudos for him for not, that's a pretty cool story. Yeah, he's cool. I, you know, as you were talking, it reminded me of the episode we had just a couple of weeks ago that aired with Ryan White. Yeah. And when you told her, because you can't get to 45, right? And she's yeah. like, you know, I'm yeah. not going to put a limit on myself. Yeah. And I love that attitude. And you mentioned in that podcast that, that that's kind of, I mean, that's probably what has made her great is yeah. the fact that she's not putting any limits on herself. If you didn't listen to that episode, Ryan White, an Olympic swimmer, world champion, will be representing the United States 
most likely in Paris in two years at the next Olympics. Go back and listen to that interview because the comment you're referring to, 45, was she set her goal. It was 50, 50 seconds in the backstroke. She set her goal to 48, right? Is that correct? She yeah, just wants to get... Because and, she stayed and, at 50 for two years. Yeah. And so now her goal is 48. And I had, I don't know how the 45 came up, but I had brought up the point that, you know, you, you wouldn't set your goal to 45. Like that's crazy fast. Like no one's going to get to 45. And when I said it to her, she didn't react in agreement with me. <laughs> and I, I remember we were looking at her and it wasn't like she nodded and said, Oh yeah, 45. I mean, that would be crazy. That's like a dolphin swimming. Like we're not, we're a humans. Like I can't, she just looked at me like, no, I almost saw like fire come out of her eyes, right? And and it and then I'm I was sort of like, okay, <laughs> my bad. Like maybe you can get to 45. And she brought up the point that I'm not gonna set a limit. Like in her mind, it's maybe I can get 40. Like, I don't know what I'm capable of. That's what I'm trying to do. That's why I get up every morning. Like it was almost, and I think the elite level people feel that way. It's almost offensive that wait a minute, I, why do you think I'm doing this? I'm trying to find out what my limit is. My limit might be 43. That's why I'm doing this hard work. That's why I'm, I'm watching my diet and I'm sleeping as much as I, you know, and I'm making sacrifices to make sure my body is elite. Don't tell me that I can't do anything. And that's how obviously, you know, the, the very best of the best have that mentality that no one's going to tell me I can't do something. I'll find out eventually what I can and can't do through going through that dark place maybe or whatever, but I'm not going to let you tell me. And in this case, he said, I'm not going to let the doctor tell me. And in Ryan's case, eh, don't basically don't tell me I might not get to 45 because I might like, right. That's, that's that idea of hope. Maybe I can, I'm going to, I'm going to assume I can and then work for it and see what happens at the end. Yeah, I I think also as you were talking there, you shouldn't close a door on yourself. Yeah, make someone shut the door in your face. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the, these people who want to go on, who want to do things. I mean, your your buddy that made a movie about him this year, Kurt Warner. Yeah. Right, go watch that movie and see if if you think we should quit when we still feel like we have fuel in the tank. I yeah, I we interviewed Doug Meacham on here just won a yeah. state title down at snow canyon last year in basketball we'll be defending that here soon that guy got cut as a junior from his high school basketball team yeah and then ends up playing for one of the best college basketball programs in the country which leads to coaching and having the great yeah. career coaching that he's yeah. done that guy just wasn't going to let anyone I mean, what is a typical kid who gets cut their junior year of high school in basketball? What does a typical kid do? That okay, I guess that that door is shut. Like, make people continue to slam the door in your face until you feel like okay, I'm done, right? Yeah. And Doug, how different would Doug's life be if he would have if he would have not had that Jordan Stevenson attitude that really, coach, you're gonna okay. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna work this summer. I'm gonna work my tail off, and I'm gonna come back. You have to put me on the team next year, and then he ends up playing Division One basketball yeah. and 
for a great school during a you know the greatest time in that school's history so far in regard to basketball. And so I just I love hearing stories, the Kurt Warner stories, the Doug Meacham stories, the Jordan Stevenson stories. They inspire me because it's like figuratively speaking, we all need to have these times in our life, whether it's with our work or our family situation, a financial situation, a spiritual situation, whatever it might be, if we could just have it within us to say, you know what? No. Yeah. I'm going to walk again. Like I'm going to take sand from this shore and I'm going to deliver it to the other. Like whatever that is within Jordan Stevenson, Doug Meacham, Kurt Warner, Ryan White, we can have that within yeah. us. And if we'll learn to have that attitude of that resilience in us and realize that sports is building that in our children and in our players, and if we'll intentionally use sports to build that resilience, that's what will allow us when we face those difficult situations in life to say, you know what? No, I'm taking sand from one shore to another. I don't yeah. care if you tell me I can't. Yep. So. Yep, exactly. Spot on. Awesome. We also had Mason Sawyer on. Mason Sawyer, college basketball player, mm -hmm. high school basketball coach whose family, uh, many members of his family were killed in a very tragic accident. He was, he was just really down obviously and is still working through that but he started a podcast and started going around and speaking on resilience yeah and we had him on and he talked about a quote from lou holtz life is 10 percent of what happens to you and 90 percent of how you respond yeah i'm just wondering your thoughts on that yeah that's that's a popular quote that i think you know, athletes, if you're in sports long enough, you've you've heard that quote, but I don't know if athletes have really taken the time to think about it. And not only in the setting of that's true for athletics, um, it's also true in, in life that the thing is, is we don't know what those 10%, what that's going to be. We can control, I can know what the 90% is going to be, meaning I can have confidence enough in myself to know that I've prepared myself. So whatever that 10% is, whatever the curveball I get thrown in life is, I'm, I know it's going to come at some point and I'm going to miss it, right? I'm going to strike out. And when that moment happens, I'm, I've prepared myself mentally enough to know that the next 90% is what I'm going to do next to deal with it, but I'm going to do something. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to blame others. I'm not going to, that's in our control. What we have to do is prepare ourselves in such a way that we're ready for when that, the 10% that life comes to us, that's, you know, that's, that's so tough and so, uh, you know, difficult to handle that we're ready to handle it properly. And that's where this idea of, of resiliency and hope and fighting through the darkness and all these things that we've been talking about today really come into play. But having some self-awareness at a young age, it's it really partly at the root of how especially for athletes started was let's stop waiting until we're 30, 40 to recognize all the lessons we learned from sports and then go to a our son's soccer team or whatever, and try to teach these things to kids. That's great. But 
we should have let's let kids recognize right now that these same lessons that we dawned on us later in life that man this coach taught me this and i learned this lesson of resiliency and how to be on time and how to be coached and all these things that a lot you hear athletes talk about all the time that made them great better moms or business people or whatever they have those in them now the 17 year old kid has those lessons and has those tools right now to use them he doesn't have to wait till he's 30 or 40 to tell everybody all the less, like, let's use them right now. You've learned how to be resilient. You've learned how to be criticized. You've learned how to be embarrassed. So take the tools that you've gained and right now make a difference in people's lives because we need you, right? Right now. What we have to do as parents and coaches is make sure our kids know, hey, you're tougher than you think. And I'm, and, and you're going to have people push you. And, and, you know, I, I sent a couple personal messages to some kids that I coach just last night because I was hard on them at practice yesterday. And I sent personal messages to them last night, reminding them why I'm hard on them. And I, I remind them I'm hard on you because I know you can do it. I believe you have more to give and we need you. It's, I wouldn't be as hard on you if I didn't think you were capable of it. So, you know, we, we're going to push the people that we, then the next 90% is what you right is up to you. What are you going to do with it? Now are you going to a coach is mad at me. I'm going to feel sorry for myself or is a coach is getting on me because he thinks I can go harder and I can do my technique better. I can stay low or whatever. He knows I can do it. And I'm going to now it's up to you, the athlete to go and do it or not, but the same thing's going to happen in life. And, uh, you know, that learning that lesson at a young age, that 90, 10 principle, I would bet most kids, if you brought that up to them would say they've kind of heard it, but they wouldn't really understand what it means. And then we get older and it's like, wow, what a great, that makes perfect sense. I'm going to, what a great quote. Well, let's sit our kids down right now and say, what are the 10% of things that are happening to you right now that you're out of your control that are tough that are now, what are you going to do? Cause the 90% now is up to you have those conversations with our teammates and our kids. Now you, I've heard you talk about it. I don't know who it was. You got it from, but um, cause it was on an episode that I wasn't on, but I've used it several times that um, event plus response equals the outcome, mm-hmm. right? The event in our life, our response to that event is going to equal what the outcome is. So that's sort of this, that's right. Right. 1090. The 10 is the event. Okay. The 90 is our response to the event. And that's going to ultimately be what equals the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. That was an Ohio State principle that they use there. Uh, okay. The yeah. Skate fo- football program. You know, one of the things that I took away from the Mason Sawyer episode that, that you just touched on and that really is part of the reason for the existence of our program. When Mason had that horrible, tragic accident happen where, where he lost his, his wife, yeah. children, nephew, um, and brother, he reverted back to something a coach taught him while playing basketball yeah. to help him through it. And to you coaches who are listening, Taking those times during practices, games, after games, to intentionally teach life principles. Yeah. You never know when that 
10 is going to happen to one of your players 10 years down the road and something that you that you taught them that you drilled into their character because of things that you intentionally taught and trained on yeah those will be the things that that they rely on to help them make it through those dark times to kind of bring this full circle here yeah that's what's going to enable them to take the sand from one shore to the next you know yeah. to go on that jordan stevenson analogy there and so just the the role that coaches play and that parents play and dustin i heard i've heard you talk about many times to parents and coaches but particularly to parents that car ride home yeah those are some of the most life impacting times if we handle those intentionally in the right way those yep. principles that they're learning during those moments particularly sometimes the hard moments they'll rely on those when they really need them years yep. later like yeah. sawyer did with his coach yeah like mason did sorry yeah that, that's when we can that's when we can you know, put fuel on the fire that the athletes feeling or forget sports, our child, whatever they're dealing with in life, athletics or not. When we're in that car ride home from school or from wherever, and we've got them for a minute, um, we, 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 you know, we put a little bit of fuel on it one way or the other in a negative or a positive way, right? If, if we come down hard and make them feel even worse about themselves, thinking in our mind that this is going to motivate them to go work harder, gosh, that's a risky, that's, you're throwing fuel on something that I hope you're, you're on. I hope you know your kid well enough to know that they're going to respond that way to it because the alternative is they may remember that conversation when they were embarrassed and hurt and defeated in the car and you chose to tell them, you know, to, to, to beat up on them, you know, verbally or whatever to, because you thought it was going to make them tougher. And what it really does is it backfires. Um, you know, and, and everybody parents how they parent, but that, that car ride home. And I've, I've referred to a book in the past called a dad, a boy in a ball about being in the go to the place that our child feels comfortable. That might be the backyard playing catch with the baseball. It might be, uh, you know, going on a walk. It might be camping. It might be hunting at what, what's their thing. Get them in. It might just be a drive with you you know, someplace to go get a drink and come home, but they just enjoy that. Find their thing. And then in that moment, have that real conversation with them, be real with them, but make sure, like you said, that you leave them with hope that when they get out of the car, they come back from the camping trip or from playing catch or shooting basketball in the driveway with you, shooting hoops in the driveway, that they leave coming back into the house feeling like, okay, dad didn't lie to me. Or mom didn't lie to me. They told me this is going to be tough and that I've got to get faster and stronger. I've got to, the things I need to do, um, but I can do it. And there's still some hope there. And uh, what we can't do is make them feel small because they, they embarrassed us. We put so much into them that we can't go now and tell everybody how great our son did at his baseball game. And so we feel embarrassed. Cause we wanted to have our, our post this weekend about how well he did. Um, and then the second thing we can't do is make them feel, you know, as if they're, um, you know, they're, they're, it's somebody else's fault. It's the ref's fault or the coach's fault or somebody else. If we avoid those two things, 
put it in their hands, make sure they know the ownership's in them. The next 90% is up to them. And are they going to fight through the darkness like they're in it, right? When you're, They might be in it at that point. So let's teach them. How do you get out of the darkness? What do you do? What's the 90%? You know, how do you be resilient? How do you take the sand from one side or the other? We have to have some hope. Well, what's that hope? Let's find that hope. And then let's pin it in the mirror in your bedroom. So you look at it every day and then let's go to work. What do we got to do? And at the end of the day, son or daughter, you may not reach your goal. Your actions can match your goal and you still may not reach it. But that's the process. That's why we're doing this. Eventually, somewhere in your life, you're going to. And this is just a game. Let's let's learn the lesson here and then let's take this into the rest of your life. That's what we have to do as coaches and parents in order to make this thing really worth it. All the time and effort and money we put into sports. If we don't, then it's all just a big lie. <laughs> and we're and, and it is like it's just we're we're our intentions are selfish. Parents sometimes coaches don't want to admit it, but they are. And, uh, and the kids are sometimes, unfortunately, the pawns that, you know, that we're uh, using in this thing for our own self recognition and, and reliving past, you know, experiences. And it's easy to fall into that trap. But, you know, I think all three of those interviews that you did and the comments that came from them from some very successful people, you know, a war veteran, a coach, like great, great stuff are things that parents we have to sit down and talk to our kids about it. Otherwise we can have it all up in here because we've learned it through life and we listen to podcasts and, but they're not learning it unless we sit down with them. And it's not the job of the administrator or the coach to teach these lessons. Hopefully they will, but it's the parent's job. We have to have these conversations with our kids. It's up to us. Otherwise, it's all the knowledge we've gained and experiences we've learned, they're going to have to learn it the hard way. And, and because we didn't pass it on to them, or maybe we ripped it out from underneath them because we, you know, we're living through them too much. So that's the caution we have to have, I think in this sports world, we're all in. Awesome. Anyway. Well, Dustin, thank you, man. It's a, you see the thread through all of these, these three, right? The threat of resilience, going to the dark yeah. place, taking sand from one shore to another, concentrate yep. on what you can control. And I just, I know that that's something that we really emphasize. I mean, one of the greatest lessons that will ever come, one of the greatest benefits that will ever come from sports is the opportunity, if we handle it intentionally the right way for our kids to develop these attitudes within themselves that they may not even know that they need until they need it. Yeah. And you don't know, like you said, if you're resilient until you need to be resilient, but we can intentionally try to build that muscle of resilience, yeah. that emotional muscle in our, in our kids, if we handle situations intentionally. So thank yeah. you so much, Dustin. Always yeah. so nice talking to you. Thanks brother. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Share this episode. Please rate the podcast. That helps us a lot. And share with us any people or subjects that you would like us to interview or address. And thank you for joining the Sportlight Podcast. Eyes up. Do the work. This has been the Sportlight Podcast from Especially for Athletes, sponsored by Coca-Cola. 
You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sportlight, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforathletes.org book.